prophet said, Who are these? And in Hebrew, the angel replied, Shem, Yitzar, Ben, two sons of the anointing is really what it translates there, are two anointed ones. How many of you want to be anointed today? Come on. A Gallup poll recently said that all the, the majority of Americans, the overwhelming majority of Americans want to be anointed. The issue is they really don't know what the anointing is. But let me tell you what the anointing is, and I've told you this every time. The anointing is God's endowment and His endorsement. It's God's way of saying, not only have I chosen you, I've empowered you. It's God's way of saying, I'm not going to give you a task or a job or an assignment to do and not give you the power to get that job done. I wonder if there's anybody grateful today that every assignment in your life that you've been given by God, He has given you the anointing and the endowment to get that assignment completed. Hallelujah. Because you are an anointed one. Glory to God. Now, I really want to zero in because I want to talk to you today for a few minutes about walking in the power that God has for you to walk in. And you can only produce answers from another world when you've tapped into a power from another world. And the way God manifests His power in your life is through and by the anointing. Now let me give you the background of what's going on here in Zechariah. Zechariah in this great book, he prophesies at a very intense time for the Jewish people. The, the Jews had been in captivity in Babylon for 70 years. And they had been supernaturally set free. They had been set free by the hand of God. They didn't have an army that came and fought them out. They didn't have a negotiator that negotiated them out. They had no real influence, but somehow God supernaturally plucked them out of captivity from the superpower of the day and brought them back to Israel, brought them back to Jerusalem. Is there anybody here today that would say that God has set you free supernaturally? Hallelujah. That you shouldn't even be where you are today. But watch this. They had been set free with a purpose. They had been delivered with a destiny. God had set them free with something in mind. And I want to tell everybody in this room this morning that God has set you free with a purpose. He has delivered you with a destiny. You're to be more than just a first service survivor that comes to church and barely gets by all week long. God said, I've set you free that you might accomplish something, that you might do something. I've got my hand on your life. Maybe you'll never preach in this pulpit or stand on this stage, but let me tell you, your assignment is just as important as my assignment because God delivers us all with a destiny. Now, what was the destiny of these, these, these people from Judah? What was their destiny when they were set free from Babylon? Here's what had happened. The walls of Jerusalem had been torn down. The temple was in ruins. The, the whole nation of Israel was a shell of what it used to be. And this group of people had been set free and delivered to come back to Jerusalem, rebuild the walls around the city, but most of all, they were called to rebuild the temple. They were called to put God's place back in order, to rebuild God's house. And here they are, they are, they are called of God, and they come and they start their job 
job. Now Zacchaeus, at that time of deliverance, would have been just a, just a baby. He would have come as an infant with his grandfather, and his grandfather would have carried him into Jerusalem, and they would have made that journey all the way from Babylon, all the way into Jerusalem, and he would have been just a little guy, just an infant. And they started this great uh, building program to rebuild the temple because all of the stones had been torn down. See it in your mind's eye. All the walls had been torn down. And they come there to rebuild that temple stone upon stone. They had laid the foundation and they were working hard to get it done. And then all of a sudden the Samaritans began to attack them. And they start getting much resistance from people that were around Jerusalem. And Zerubbabel had led this group out. Zerubbabel was a charismatic leader who led this group out of Babylon. And they started but they didn't finish. They started and because of fear and trepidation and pressure they didn't finish and so many years had gone by because they had stopped building God's house and they started building their own houses isn't it something that they weren't able to finish God's house but all of them lived in fine homes and here they are all these years later many 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 years had passed and there was no work going on at the temple the people were afraid Zerubbabel was trembling nobody would work on the temple because they couldn't take the resistance and then God began to deal with a young man named Zechariah. Zechariah is a, is, is a teenager at this time. He's very young when he's called to prophesy. And God chooses this young man named Zechariah to reawaken the desire in the hearts of the people to rebuild the temple. Zechariah was, was underqualified. He was underage and certainly underestimated. He seemed like the one that you wouldn't use to do something like this to rally an entire nation to wake Zerubbabel out of his slumber and bring them back to a place where they're really ready to, to build God a house and, and make God's place great. And he uses, God uses and chooses this young man named Zechariah. I love it when God uses underdogs. I love it when God uses people you think he ought not use and selects people you think he ought not select and blesses people you think he ought not bless. Let me tell you, here he is. He's underaged, underqualified, and underestimated, but God began to speak to him. And, and, and the Bible says that the Lord sent an angel to, to Zechariah in Zechariah 4.1 and wakes this teenager up and says that the angel of the Lord who talked with me came back and wakened me as a man is waking out of his sleep. God sent an angel to wake that young man up and this is powerful to me. If today's church is going to rise with new anointing and bring answers from another world, we must be willing to wake up. See, we've got problems on planet Earth. We've got issues in this world. There's a lot going on in this world. There's every kind of ism and schism and problem. If you don't believe there's problems, just turn on the news. And people are groping for answers. The world is hollow. The world is hurting. The world is looking for answers. The problem is much of the church is asleep. We've got sleepy church people and sleepy leaders who are not noticing what is going on. And here's the issue. We've got to wake up as the church we've got to have leaders that will wake up and preach Jesus without shame listen because I love Jesus doesn't mean that I hate you oh come on 
I said, the, the fact that I love Jesus doesn't mean that I hate somebody who doesn't love Jesus. I love everybody. But we've let the world mute our message. We've let the world make us feel like we can't speak up for Jesus. But let me tell you, the saved and delivered need to stand up and wake up and speak up and declare that there is a Redeemer. There is hope for our nation and our world. His name is Jesus Christ. There's things that have been torn down. But let me tell you, an anointed church can build it back up and put things back together. I've said it before and I'll say it again. The answer is not Capitol Hill, it's Calvary's Hill. And our answers will not emanate from the White House. It, it, the world will be changed by what goes on in God's house. Hallelujah. Now check it out. If today's church is going to rise with new anointing and bring answers from another world, we must be willing to wake up. Push your neighbor and say, wake up. God sends an angel to wake up this teenager named Zechariah. And I love what the Lord said to him. He said, what do you see? The angel said, what do you see? God shows him this vision and says, what do you see? See, God is looking for Zacharias. God is looking for people who he can give a vision to. God is looking for people that he can speak to. God is looking for people. He's looking for young married couples. He's looking for seasoned saints. He's looking for teenagers that will wake up when he calls them. And here's what the angel said he said what do you see God wants to wake up a Zechariah generation God wants to wake up a Zechariah generation that can build up the old waste places hallelujah things that look like they've been torn down and torn apart see the question is where are the Zacharias. Where are the Zacharias that will wake up? See, I feel like God wants to raise up Zacharias in this place. By live stream, God wants to raise up some Zacharias. Maybe you seem underqualified. Maybe you don't seem like you're the one that could get the job done. But I'm telling you, you can become a Zachariah in your city. You can become a Zachariah in your school. You can become a Zachariah to your family. Is there anybody here ready to be a Zachariah? Hallelujah. Ready to be used by God now check it out the angel said what do you see see here's the deal that's what the angel asked and that's what heaven and ass is asking today what do you see see you can't change it if you don't see it you, you can't transform it if you don't see it. Uh, you can't bring hope if you don't see hopelessness. Uh, you, can't bring, uh, uh, you can't bring peace to your school if you don't see the problems in your school. When you see your college campus, what do you see? When you see your workplace, what do you see? When you see people bound up by sexual confusion, addicted and messed up by sin, what do you see? Here's what I know. Uh, we have allowed the world to filter our vision so much so until we are calling wrong right and right wrong we have allowed the world to filter our vision and people are coming in and they're jacked up and they're bound up and they're wounded and they're worn and they're weary but we have now created an atmosphere in church where people are afraid to address the issues that are binding people up and the very power that can set them free is held out because we won't speak the truth and say there is someone who can set you free from anything that has bound you up 
That, that is not a hate message. That is a love message. It's telling you that you don't have to be addicted another day. You don't have to be messed up another day. There is a Son of God that has come, and he that the Son sets free is free indeed. The question is, what do you see? Zechariah, he said these words. Zechariah said, I am looking. He said, I am looking. See, one of the main things a fresh anointing is going to do in your life, it's going to give you clear vision. See, the world is wounded. A generation is struggling. The enemy is trying to swallow up our teenagers in compromise and confusion. Teenagers think they have clarity, but in reality, they are confused. And I love every teenager in this house. We have a generation of older folks now that are letting go of the truth of the Word of God and beginning to wink at compromise and say, well, that's just how it is. People are churching, but they're not changing. I said they're churching, but they're not changing. See, see, we cannot change what we're unwilling to see. We want to rush to the end of chapter 14, and we want to get this anointing in our lives, and we want to see victory and breakthrough, and we want to ignore that we've got to see what's happening in the world. We've got to have clarity as never before. God doesn't anoint spiritually blind, sleepy church people. God wants to anoint people that will rise up and wake up. Hear me in this room. God says, I can't anoint you until I fix your vision. I can't anoint you until I fix your vision. How many of you want God to fix your vision today? He said, I can't anoint you if I don't fix your vision. See, see, God sees things differently than you do, young person. Young entrepreneur, you're seeing millions of dollars. God is seeing kingdom resources. You're saying, man, I'll make millions of dollars and I'll have this and I'll have that. And God doesn't care if you have a car. He doesn't care if you have a beautiful house. God is not uptight if you are blessed. But let me tell you, if it all is only about your blessing, then you're not being blessed for the right reason. God will bless you because he sees kingdom resources. You're seeing great opportunities to get to the next level. God is seeing a chance for you to serve. You're seeing a jacked up, unworthy people who are less than you because of their sin. But God is seeing the great the next great testimony waiting to happen when he brings people out of, of bondage and iniquity. God's seeing the, great, the next great story of redemption and restoration. You're seeing, a, you're seeing a generation that is bound up. God looks at the next generation and he says, when I save them and I fill them with my power, they're the next generation of world changers. Hallelujah. God told Zechariah, he said, look around you, son. He said, you see a torn up, broken down temple. He said, but I see a place for my glory to abide. He said, you see trash, but I see treasure. You see a problem, but I see potential. You see sickness, but I see healing. You see bondage, but I see deliverance. You see poverty, but I see blessings. You see confusion, but I see clarity. How many of you can say, God, let me get in your economy. Let me get in your mindset. Let me see what you see. Uh. So he asked the prophet, he said, he said, what do you see? The word see there means visualize, comprehend, perceive. Hear me in the room. There's more going on than meets the eye. Can I say that about your situation? I want you to tell that one anointed brother or sister, say there's more going on than meets the eye. There, there, there's more going on than meets the eye. The enemy doesn't want you to know it, but there's more going on than meets the eye with your children with your family, 
with your financial situation, with your future, with your, with your thing you're trusting God to do. It doesn't look like it's coming together, but God said, get ready. It's time to awaken. Cry out for heavenly vision and believe for fresh anointing. In Zechariah's generation, he rose up with a heavenly vision. How many of you want a heavenly vision about your life? Glory to God. Now, now I want you to see the vision that he had. Here Zechariah is, and the angel appears to him and shows him this incredible vision. He shows him the golden lampstand, which is in the temple. It's, 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 it's very, very ironic that God would give Zechariah a vision and show him a temple article. That the, the golden candlestick was in the holy place. But the thing about this golden candlestick, the Bible says that there were, in each one of these lamps, there were seven lamps on this candlestick. There were pipes running out of each lamp up to this bowl. And, and seven pipes ran out of this bowl into each lamp. And then over these, over this bowl, there were two trees. Zechariah thought they were trees. But God said they're not trees. They're two anointed ones, two anointed sons. Now, now check it out. The, the picture is very clear. I want you to see the imagery. Because God was showing Zechariah. He said, when the temple lights burn, when the candlestick burns, when there's light again, it will tell you that everything has been restored, that God has rebuilt the temple and he's used you to do it. But check this out. One of the most arduous and intense tasks that the priests had was the constant care of the candlestick. They, they, they had to constantly refill the candlestick with oil. They had to get the soot out of the way. They had to trim the, the wicks. It was a very arduous and intense situation and what was going on here God showed a picture of supernaturally the oil is dripping through two anointed ones supernaturally the bowl is filling up with oil and going through the pipes and keeping the lights on in the temple it was a supernatural thing it was a picture of the anointing oh hear me in this room it was it was a picture of God saying the next thing that happens is not going to happen by your hand. You're not going to get the lights turned back on and kept on by your hand. He said, all this time you've been laboring and worrying and been upset, but I'm about to bring an anointing that's going to cause the lights to come back on. And he said, you're just going to stand. The Bible said he stood by the Lord of the whole earth. That's what the angel said. He said, these are the two standing beside the Lord of the whole earth. And as they stood by the Lord of the whole earth. The anointing oil flowed through them into the bowl and lit the, the candlestick and the glory returned. Let me tell somebody something in this room. There is no lack when you stand beside the Lord of the whole earth. There are things that you've been trying to manufacture. There are things that you've been trying to make happen. But God said, if you will stand beside the Lord of the whole earth, I'm about to send an anointing, and I'm going to light up your dark places. I'm about to send an anointing, and I'm going to send glory and victory and power into what you think is impossible. And it won't be by the work of your hand, but it will be my supernatural touch from heaven that causes the light to come on. Oh, glory to God.
They stand by the Lord of the whole earth. Oh, glory to God. You're worried about getting your hair done. You're worried about keeping your lights on. But let me tell you, when you stand by the Lord of the whole earth, Nothing is impossible with God. I dare somebody to give God praise that lights are coming on in your situation. Check it out. In other words, he said, this is going to be supernatural. Oh, I feel this in my spirit. What's the date today? August what? 14th. Can I speak this? Get ready for a supernatural September. Just dropped it in my spirit. Tell your neighbor, I'm ready for a supernatural September. Yeah, I'm getting the revelation right now. I'm getting the word of the Lord in my spirit right now. My pastor's preaching to me right now and setting me up for a supernatural September. That's what God was telling Zechariah. He said, I'm going to do this thing supernaturally. Hallelujah. The anointing over your life will yield supernatural results. Hear me in this room. Because your anointing comes from a supernatural source. Some of you are just sitting there like you don't believe it. Because you feel underqualified. You feel underage. And you feel inept. But if God can call a teenager to speak to a nation and raise him up. What can he do in your life? Anything is possible. Now, so he answered and he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Now check this out. God's talking to this young prophet, and this young prophet is given the task to raise up a revival in a nation where people are afraid, where people are in bondage, where, where, where they, they're afraid to, to rebuild the temple. But God said, get ready, Zechariah. You have a word for Zerubbabel. You have a word for the leader of Judah, the one who led them out of Babylon, who led them out to do this great work. You have a word for, the, for him. Tell him, the word of the Lord for you, Zerubbabel, is this, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. You've been the leader all the way back to the release of Babylon, and you started a job and you got afraid and quit. But I hadn't forgot what I told you to do, Zerubbabel. You're about to do something, and you're going to see that temple rebuilt, but here's how you're going to do it. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Not by might. Somebody say, not by might. It's the power of an army. That means the power of joining together with others. If you really define that from the Hebrew, come on, hang with me in the back. It means the power that it focuses on, 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 on an army, the collective power of a group. But God said this thing that I'm getting ready to do is not going to happen because you're connected to the right people. 
He said, this thing that you're getting ready to do, a group of men are not going to make it happen for you. A group of people coming together, it won't manifest because you're connected to the right people. See, some of you have got it in your mind that your next season hinges on you getting connected to the right people. But God said, get ready. I'm about to do something that no men are going to take the credit for. You've been waiting for a man to bring you the resource, a man to open the door. You've been wanting to get the right connections, but God said, you got one connection you need. You've got a connection to El Shaddai, and he is more than enough. I need somebody to give God praise that everything you need, God is going to bring it to you. He said, not by might nor by power. Now, the word power there in the Hebrew, check it out now, it means individual strength. This is the power that focuses on individual ability. But God said, I'm getting ready to do something that, that is so big that it's going to be beyond your ability. Oh, Jesus, I got 12 people that are tracking with me. I'm going to do something so big that you couldn't possibly have done it by yourself. This is not going to be because of your strength, ingenuity, or ability. He said it's not going to be because of you. See, we have looked too long at our own strength, and we have relied too much on others. We have thought that we would get our jobs done. We would see our children saved. We would see our families blessed. We would see our businesses break through. We would see our situations changed by our strength and the strength of others. But God said it's not going to be by might. It's not going to be by power. But it's going to be by my spirit, says the Lord. The word spirit there means, means breath. It is the Ruah of God. This was what was at work in Genesis 1 at creation. It opened and closed the Red Sea in Exodus 15 and it brought life to the valley of dry bones in Ezekiel 37. It is the breath of God that breathes on what is locked down. It is the breath of God that breathes on what is dead. It is the breath of God that breathes on what is impossible. I don't know who I'm talking to today but there are some people in the room and you survey your situation and there are some impossibilities but the Ruach of God is getting ready to manifest in your life and God's going to breathe on it. Somebody say breathe on it Lord. Breathe on my problem. Breathe on my children. Breathe on my family. Breathe on my career. Breathe on my business. Breathe on my mind. Breathe on it Lord. One, two, three, give God a praise. Now, are you tracking with me? This is for Zerubbabel, the dude who thought he was in charge, the quitter, the guy who got afraid and stopped. And here's what the angel goes on to say in verse 7. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you will become a plain, a flat stretch of land. A road. The temple is in ruins. The stones are everywhere. The nation is a mess. And when Zerubbabel looked at the task, he said, this is a mountain, and I can't deal with it. But the Lord said, who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain. You shall become a road. The task of rebuilding the temple seemed like a mountain that could not be climbed. But the angel said, get ready. God's about to level that mountain out and turn it into a road. 
Who am I talking to today? When the anointing comes, he will take the mountains of our lives and turn them into plains. He'll take the things you thought you couldn't climb and he will level it out. This is the season, I'm going to talk to somebody, when God begins to level things out. Somebody say, level it out, Lord. God's going to level some things out for his anointed. Somebody say, level it out, God. No, 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 get in faith. I know it's hard. I know, I know you think somebody's watching you, but just even you just have to whisper it. Say, level it out, God. Level it out, God. I can't do it by myself. I can't make it happen by myself. I can't manufacture this. I'm not smart enough. I'm not connected enough. But if you will breathe on it, if you will level it out, God, that mountain will turn into a road. You can do it, God. Level it out. Level out my career. Level out my family. Level out my emotions. Level out my mind. Level out my issues. Somebody give God praise and he's about to level some things out. Ask your neighbor, what do you need him to level out? And then ask your neighbor, say, is this your word or not? Ask him, is this your word or not? Is this your word or not? I want everybody who feels like this is your word, give God some praise right now. Come on, you're going to find out what you thought was a mountain is a plain. What you thought was a mountain is a road. Somebody shout, level it out, God. Now, you say, well, pastor, pastor, you just don't know. I mean, you preaching, everybody getting excited. But you don't know, Pastor, how big my mess is. You ain't seen my mess, Pastor. Let me tell you something. That temple was such a mess. It was torn down. Ugh. Pieces of it were everywhere. Huge stones were everywhere. But let me tell you, God said... Everything you need is around you. It just needs to come together. Oh, glory to God. Have you ever been there? Can I talk to real people? Have you ever been there in your life where you see everything you need to have the vision and the victory that you want to have? But that it's here, and it's there, and it's here, and it's there. You, you, you see what you need, it just ain't coming together. You see what you need, it's just in a heap. It's not coming together. What do you do when you see what you need, but it's not coming together? I am the king of a guy who had to persevere when things weren't coming together. I saw what I needed. It just didn't seem like it was coming together. That temple represents life and ministry. Everything was there. It was obtainable. They could see it. They just couldn't get it to come together. You see, you may be here today and you say, man, I, I, I see what I need. I have the ability. I have the desire. I have the plan. It's just a mess because I can't get it to come together. But God said, not by might or by power. He said, I'm about to breathe on it and it's going to come together. See, see, I want to say something to somebody in this room. There are some things that you've been looking at and you've been saying, 
man, man, if this works and that gets together and that happens and this happens, if I can get this person and that person and this situation and that situation, if I can get this door and that opportunity, God said, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. He's about to breathe on some things in your life. And there are some things that are going to come together. There are some business deals that are going to come together. There are some family situations that are going to come together. I dare somebody to give God praise because there are some jobs and some ministry strategies, some dreams, some career opportunities, some business opportunities, family issues. It's going to come together. Let's get radical. Somebody raise your hands. Say, God has anointed me in this next season and I declare things will supernaturally come together now I'm gonna wait on you to praise God what's gonna come together in your life I say things are coming together now then the angel said something just so profound. Uh, Zechariah is intimidated. He's underage, underqualified, underestimated. And then the angel said to him, yo, listen up. He's a cool angel. Zechariah said, man, we don't have what we need. You know, he's thinking that in his heart. And then he said this. He said, the angel said, don't despise the days of small beginnings. Don't despise the days of small things. You better write this down. Everything that ever got big started small. Ha! Huh. Some of y'all come in this building, and you see this big building and this great property, but everything that ever got big started small. Somewhere down the line, decades ago, there was an old preacher, I can't remember his name, but by himself, the Lord began to deal with him about a church in Ormond Beach, and him and his family started having church in their living room. And they called that church Calvary. And here we are decades later. I came here almost 19 years ago, August the 20th. We were in a gymnasium that was falling apart with two little bathrooms in the gym that the church used. We had chairs that were breaking down. We were small. But you look at us now and say, look what the Lord has done. See, long before we had thousands on Sunday morning, we were just a little group, but God brought it together. I don't know if you can receive this, but stop looking at your situation and say it's too small. Everything that got big started small. So I dare somebody right now to begin to praise God for the big things that are coming in your life. Oh, you can do better than that. Now, watch this. Wave at me if you're tracking with me. Wave at me if you're getting it. Come on, get really radical. Wave at me if you're claiming it somewhere in your life, for your family, for your children, for your, your career. Come on now, by the anointing, by the anointing. Somebody say, by the anointing. Okay, now, then the Bible said that heaven rejoiced because the Lord saw the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hands. Whew said, the Lord rejoices to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hands. Check it out. 
God had given all this promise, all this potential, all this anointing, but Zerubbabel still had to get the plumb line. The plumb line was a tool. It's something he had to work with. He had anointing. He had potential. He had promise. But he still had to go to work. Oh, see, we think the anointing is just going to make everything tailor-made and we don't have to do anything. No, the Bible said that heaven rejoiced when he saw Zerubbabel get up and get on with it. Hear me in this room. The anointing of God does empower you. It favors you and gives you supernaturally ability. But you still have to go to work. Nobody's shouting now. Yeah, we, we, we raised a generation that is entitled, that said, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, but don't want to go to work. Give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. Let me tell you, how many of you can say everything you got in your bank account, you had to work for it? Who had to work for your car? Who had to work for where you are right now? And let me tell you, we still got to go to work. But God said, if you will go to work, he said, I will breathe on your work. I will prosper your work. Whatever you do will prosper. Now, push your neighbor and say, go to work. Oh, that was a word for somebody right there. Watch this. Now, he chooses underage, underqualified, underestimated Zechariah, and then he chooses Zerubbabel. Somebody say Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel's name means this. His name means born or sown in Babylon, and Babylon means confusion. It means the person who is raised up in confusion. The person who was born in confusion. Zerubbabel wasn't even born in Judah. He didn't even have Jerusalem roots. He was born in confusion, raised in confusion, but God still selected him. Oh, I feel like preaching. I said he was born and raised in confusion, but God still selected it. I need to tell somebody in the room, it doesn't matter what you come out of. It doesn't matter your past, your confusion, your struggles. It doesn't matter if you used to be addicted or jacked up or messed up. It doesn't matter if you've been married five times and the one you're living with now is not your husband. Can I get a witness in the house? When God says it is time for you to be used, he will bring you out of your confusion he will bring you out of your mess oh give God a shout that you are not disqualified because of the confusion that you lived in or you came out of tell your neighbor say neighbor I don't know about you but I need 30 seconds to give God praise that nothing in my past can hinder my future Oh, some of y'all forgot where God has brought you from. Some of y'all forgot the pit that he drunk you out of. But you better give God praise and nothing in your past will hinder your future. Oh, glory to God. Be seated. The failures and sin and confusion in your past, none of it disqualifies you. You may have been born in confusion, sown in confusion. You may have messed up, but God's not through and he's not through with you. Glory to God. Write this down. A great future 
does not require a great past. It requires the anointing of a great God. Yeah, 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 yeah. My, my, my. Stop letting yourself be limited by your past. Zerubbabel may have been born in confusion, but here's what Zechariah 4, 7 says. He shall bring forth the capstone of the temple and shout grace grace was he unworthy yes did he have a past yes did he already quit one time on God yes did he stop when God was trying to use him for his plan yes he did the first time but did that hinder God from using him the next time no he said when you lay the foundation for the stone he said here's what you say say grace 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 he said I ought not be laying this foundation based on where I'm from I ought not be laying this foundation based on what I've done but grace 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 can I talk to you in the next season when God begins to bring things together you need to shout grace grace got me the job grace got me the deal grace put my world back together grace gave me the opportunity grace restored my family grace healed my body grace gave me another chance somebody shout grace give God a praise in the room Thank you so much for listening to the Calvary Christian Center podcast. To learn more, visit us at calvaryfl.com.